John chapter 15 is where we are this morning. Jesus is writing to his disciples, and uh, we just finished up 14. For those that are visiting, we're going through the Gospel of John. We come to John chapter 15, and Jesus tells us uh, that as believers, we are to abide in Christ. In verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for the practical application of your word. And I pray that we'd understand the truths of scripture today, Lord, and truly apply them to our lives and as we understand them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's desire as we read through this passage is that all of us as believers would abide in Christ and produce much fruit. Now, I believe that we should all grow. I believe in continuing education. I believe that we should read books and desire personal growth. But sometimes, we tend to make it harder than it needs to be. When it comes to the Christian life, we look for some formula for growth, and yet we miss the foundational truth. Because long before any author wrote a self-help book or a book on how to live your best life, God told us what to do. And here is the truth. Here is the foundational reality of the Christian life. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. I want you to notice this morning the progression throughout this passage. There are different degrees of fruit production. Look with me, if you would, in, in verse number two. The Bible says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So you see, there's those branches that produce no fruit. Then there's branches that produce fruit. And then there are branches that produce more fruit, but when you get down to verse number five, the Bible tells us that we are to produce, bring forth much, much fruit. And so our desire should be to be those branches that not only bear fruit, but go beyond more fruit and, the, and to produce much fruit. You know, this does not happen by becoming a, a charismatic speaker. Producing much fruit doesn't come about because of our, our looks or our talents or our, our abilities. And, and here's the issue. Oftentimes we, we kind of misplace our focus or we misunderstand really what it means to abide in Christ and what it means to produce fruit and to go to the place in our life where we can produce 
much fruit. You see, much fruit comes out of the life of a believer that is abiding in Christ. But how do we get there? How do we? How do we? How do we get there? You know, I think about those that um, those that are that 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 um, want to change physically in their life, or maybe uh, educationally. You know, a lot of times we set kind of goals in our life, and then we kind of like we we kind of do nothing, right? Like like I want to I want to be able to run a mile. I could just stop there. I just want to be able to run a mile. I, I want to be able to run a mile. Let's say in in seven minutes. Um, my son's laughing at me because he can, I think, somewhere around five minutes these days with his mile. But I just want to be able to run a mile. Now, if I was going to say I, I want to run a mile and, and you say, well, I don't really think you want to run a mile, Pastor. And I'd say, well, well why do you say that? Well, because you don't even walk, let alone run. So how do you expect to run a mile? I mean, you, you know, get up on the couch, you go to the refrigerator, you go back to the couch, you get up, you go to your office chair, you know, you look at your computer, you go back, and, and there's no exercise. Oh, I want to be able to bench 225 pounds, you know, I want, I want to work out and, and get to that point. Well, I don't think you want to do that. Why is that? Well, because you don't ever lift weights. It doesn't make sense for us to believe that we're going to run a mile if we don't run. It doesn't make sense that we're going to be able to bench press a certain number if we don't lift weights. That, it, that makes sense to us, right? But somehow there's this disconnect when it comes to our spiritual life. It, it doesn't make sense for you to believe that you're going to produce more fruit or even move to the place where you're going to produce much fruit. And you say, well, why is that? Because you're not abiding in Christ, you see, we do all this religious activity and these things that we believe are, are spiritual. And, and, and listen, we should be involved in religious activity and we should be spiritual people. But we fail to miss the, to understand the foundation of the Christian life and what it means to bear fruit. You see, we're running around like chickens with our head cut off trying to do, do and accomplish and, and, and figure it all out. When Jesus lays it out here and says, listen, the foundation of your service and work for me is abiding in Christ. You see, you can do all the work and all the labor you want in your own power, your own will, your own strength. But if you're not abiding in Christ, then it really doesn't matter. It, it doesn't mean anything. And so Jesus is here telling us that we need to abide in Christ. We need to abide in Christ. Now, I want to remind you of the context that we find here in John chapter 15. And it's important, you know, that we don't just lift, you know, passages out of the Bible and, and, and to fit our, our doctrine, our theology, and really understand them uh, within the, the context of what God gives us. But Jesus has just told his disciples, going back to John chapter 13, that that one of them is going to betray them and, and he dismisses Judas. He tells them that I'm going to leave you and he also tells them that by the morning, Peter is going to deny him three times. And so you can imagine the trouble in the, the hearts of these men and the struggle that they're facing in their life. And his desire, his goal as he's writing this passage here is to, is to comfort them and to prepare them for his departure. And so as we finished up John chapter 14, just a, a couple weeks ago, we saw that Jesus explained to them why they don't have to live lives filled with worry. He told them, you know the Father. Remember, God is the creator of this world, and he is sovereign, and he is, he is in control. And, and you know the Father. You are a part of his family through me. He goes on to tell them that the work that you're doing is his work. 
the work that you're doing, it is, it is his work. And so you should be confident in serving him despite what comes into your life. He tells them that he'll answer their prayers and, and that he'll hear them and, and he'll, he'll answer their prayers according to his will. He goes on to tell them at the end of that chapter that they have a comforter and he's never going to leave them or forsake them and the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of them and, and teach them and convict them and, and protect them and, and help them along their life. And then as he finishes up chapter 14, he tells them that I'm going to leave peace with you. I want you to have my peace and so at the beginning of John chapter 14, he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. And then when you come to the end of that chapter, he says that again, let not your heart be troubled. But then he says, and neither be afraid. And so the desire of the Lord for his disciples and for us is that we would have peace and joy in this troubled world. That's God's desire for your life as a believer, that you would have peace and joy in this troubled world. And so can I tell you as we start this morning, that peace and joy only come from knowing and serving Jesus. Can I say that again? True peace and true joy only come from knowing and serving Jesus. We live in a world that is messed up and the world tells us about all the things that will bring us joy and peace and, and the reality is, is all of those things will fail. Some of the things that the world says we need to have in our life or we need to be a part of if we're going to have peace and joy in this world. Uh, number one, money. You know, the more money that you have, then guess what? The more joy you're going to have in life, the happier you're going to be and, and the more fulfilled you'll be. And, and the truth is some of the most depressed people in our world today, some of the people that are, are struggling more than anybody else are people that are, are wealthy. And I know what you're thinking. I'd like to test it and see if that's true. Another thing that they say is, is victory. Being on top in whatever area that you're, you're thinking about. If it's sports, guess what? I have to be number one. You know, if I'm not number one, then I'm miserable. And I, I hate life. And, and I'm, just, I'm just mad about everything. Because I have to be, you know, number one. And the truth is, no matter how, how well you do, there's, the reality is there's always going to be somebody better than you. Or you might be on top for a while, but guess what? Eventually somebody's going to pass you. Maybe for many of you, it's not victory in sports, but maybe it's your career. I mean, if, I, if I'm number one in sales, if I'm number one in my position, if I get that promotion, if I'm the, the one that's in charge, and, or you know, if you do that, then that will bring you joy, that will bring you peace in life. And so many people have focused on sports and, and accomplishments, maybe in music, athletics, whatever it might be. So many people focus on their career. And guess what? Maybe for a while they have success. But eventually that success fails. And then what do you have? People are miserable. People that you have retired from maybe that job or from that sport. And they have no idea what to do with their life. What, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose in life? Because my sole purpose was my career or my sport or whatever I was trying to accomplish. And the world says, listen, if you're number one, man, life will be great. You'll be filled with joy. You'll be filled with peace and contentment. Can I tell you today, that's a lie. Something else, sexual immorality. The world says, man, listen, fulfill the lust of the flesh and give in to your sexual and your immoral desires. And, and man, you'll just, be, you'll just be so, so happy. And that's what the world portrays immorality as. 
If you get involved in inappropriate relationships with opposite sex, man, you'll just be so happy and, and, it's, and you'll be so joyful in your life and life will be so amazing. And let me tell you, some of the most miserable people in the world are in that state because of their immoral behavior, because the way that they're living their life. Drugs, something else our, our world promotes. Hey, man, take this pill, smoke this, eat this, do this, and then, man, you'll feel so much better. How about this one? Followers. Man, if you attain this number of followers on your Instagram page, then, man, life will be great. And if you have this many friends on social media, you know that 90% of the people that are your friends on social media don't even like you? You know why that's true? Because 90% of the people that are in your life don't even like you. I mean, so let's be realistic. You know, we, we got to have all these followers. And if, if I reach this plateau on social media, man, then, then life is going to be great. You know, that's one of the biggest problems of depression in, in people 30 and under in our society today. Is, is what people post on social media or who doesn't like their, their post. You know, it's amazing how many times people post something and like 15 seconds later, they're looking how many people have liked it already. 30 seconds later, okay, I got two more likes. And, and oh, that person liked it, but this person put a heart. They must, they love it. And I, those people, I like them better. And, and, that, and we just base our life off of that, man. And society says you'll have so much joy and so much peace. Or how about this one? Selfishness. If you just make life all about you, man, you'll, you'll, just, I mean, you'll just be loving life. You'll have so much joy. If, if everybody's there to serve you, if everybody's you know, taking care of you, and you're, you're number one, you're the center of the universe, then man, your life will be peaceful. Your life will be so filled with joy. If you had all of these things, you know, the truth is all these things may, may bring pleasure for a season. But not true joy, not true peace. You see, putting our trust in these areas will lead to the greatest misery and turmoil of our lives. All of these w things fail into comparison to the truth. So Jesus is trying to explain to us how we can have true peace and how, how we can have true joy in our lives. And here is the basis for having the peace of God, the peace that God wants us to have, having the joy that God wants us to have, abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. The di dictionary defines abiding to accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, or a recommendation. Some synonyms of the word abide include obey, observe, follow, uphold, heed, accept. And you know, this definition isn't far off from what Jesus is telling us here in John chapter 15. When we get down to verse number 10, we get the picture, really the clear picture of what Jesus is talking about when he says here to abide. As he says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so I like that picture of, of abiding. You know, when I think of abiding, I think of a, 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 a kind of a, a tranquil place. It's like home. Well, where do you abide? You know, this is kind of the idea of where we, where we live in, in our life. And so Jesus is saying, the whole idea here, the whole picture is, 
is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am to abide in him. I am to live where he is and I am to obey his commandments and do what he's called me to do. And so here's, here's what I summed it up as. If we want to have the true joy and the true peace that God wants us to have, this is, we have to abide in Christ. And this is what I think it boils down to. As a Christian, okay, and I really want you to get this. Don't miss this point. First of all, we gotta be who we're supposed to be. Be who we're supposed to be. Then we need to do what we're supposed to do and be where we are supposed to be. Okay, let me say that again. Be who we are supposed to be, do what we're supposed to do, and be where we are supposed to be. I think that sums up the whole concept of, of abiding. And here's some of the biggest struggles that we have in life. We as believers in Jesus Christ live in a world that is not our home. This is not our home. This is not where we belong. But yet we try to live like the people of this world. We try to live like the lost. We want to be accepted by the lost. And um, Sawyer, I'm not going to get to any of my points today, all right? And uh, just so you're aware of that on the PowerPoint back there, we'll get back to them next week. But the, the truth is, is that we want to be something that we're not supposed to be. You know, we look at the glamour of, you know, the Hollywood, the, the, the sinfulness of what's going on in the world. Man, we think, man, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to accomplish. And so we miss out on the true joy and true peace that God wants us to have because we're trying to be something that we're, that we're not. You know, I, I think of those 12, the 12 disciples minus Judas, the 11 that are there with Jesus. And he's saying, you know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And, and, and we have to have this close relationship. And, and I think when you get to the book of Acts, the Bible says that they called them Christians first at Antioch. That was a derogatory term. You know why I believe that they called them Christians there? Because they were who they were supposed to be. Some people that profess to be believers in Jesus Christ, nobody would ever accuse them of that because they're trying to be like the world. You see, we're trying to be like everybody else in this society. The Bible talks about Christians being a peculiar people and, and, and we want our kids not to stand out. Listen, I hope my kids are weird in this society. I hope they stand out and are different than every other Christian out there in this world as believers in Jesus Christ. I hope people mock them and ridicule them all for the name of Jesus Christ. You say, well, you're not a good parent. Listen, I'm a biblical parent in that moment. Amen. I want my kids to be different because I want them to be who they're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of God. You're a follower, you're part of his, you're part of his family. You're not to be like this world. And so this idea of abiding, we gotta be who we're supposed to be. We gotta do what we're supposed to do. We kind of struggle with this in our world today. We, we wanna fight, like, I don't have to do this because I have Christian liberty. And it's amazing to me how the, just the, the smallest little things that you say, you know, God expects you to go to church. Well, you're a legalist. Well, you know, you're just a holy roller. You're, you're misinterpreting scripture. Hey, listen, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Christ gave himself for the church. Christ loves the church. Don't try to tell me he doesn't want you to go to church. He tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Well, that doesn't mean I have to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I didn't say that you have to. 
But we, we, we just look for things to fight about and, and, and to push up against. And well, you say I can't do this and you say I can't do that. Hey, listen, instead of arguing about what you don't have to do, why don't you start doing what you know you're supposed to do? And this is where we're so struggling. Instead of reading the Bible and figuring out, okay, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to live? We're reading it to figure out what I don't have to do. And that, that mindset causes us to live in turmoil. God has called us to be his children, to serve him, to live for him, to obey his commands. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, just listen, do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. You know, I remember, you know, after I was adopted and, you know, my parents laid out the expectations for my life. And for those of you that know my background, you know, it was totally different than how I grew up. I was, a, I was basically a, a whole new person in, in the new family that I was in now. I was going from a single parent home, an unbelieving home, to now a, a two parent home, a, a believing home, a, a home that didn't go to church, didn't stand in the Bible, now a home that, you know, you went to church, you believed the Bible, we lived the Bible, we preached the Bible, we ate the Bible, we drank the Bible. I mean, this is, this is who we are. And listen, there were some expectations in life. Hey, you're part of this, you're part of this family. I, I probably told you the story. I remember the first time, Saturday morning, my dad woke me up. He said, hey, you, you need to go wash my car. Can you believe that? Saturday morning. Your kids would be appalled today if you woke them up and said, go wash your car. Listen, you're, you need to tell your kids to get up and wash, their, wash your car. Hey, you need to wash my car. All right, buddy. All right. <laughs> and so he said, get up and wash the car. And I was like, well, you know, how much are you going to pay me? And he's like, just looked at me. I was like, well, am I going to get an allowance? And I remember without a beat, he said, I give you an allowance. And I was like, I haven't gotten anything. I've been in this house for months and I haven't gotten an allowance. Where is it? He's, I allow you to eat my food. I allow you to sleep in my bed. I allow you to watch my television. Hey, you're part of this family. So there's some expectations in life. Same thing is true for believers in Jesus Christ. Hey, don't run around and say, how can I live for the world? Instead of saying, listen, how can I live for God and serve him? We need to be who we're supposed to be. We need to do what we're supposed to do, and we need to be where we're supposed to be. As you go through the Gospels, the, the rest of the stories, and we'll, we'll see it in the next months, I think we're going to get through the Gospel of John this year. Um, it will have only taken two years if we finish it this year, but when, when you see Peter deny the Lord, one of the most tragic statements that you're going to read is that he was afar, that he was far away. He, he was away from the Lord. And listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I need to be where I'm supposed to be. Hey, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt where I'm supposed to be on Sunday morning. Hey, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm supposed to be the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Anderson. Hey, you might not like that, but guess what? That's where God called me to be, all right? And so this is where I'm going to be. I, I know this is where God has me to be. You know what the Domstats, you know where they're supposed to be? In Thailand. Hey, it, it doesn't matter how old they are. I, I, I really got concerned for their marriage when he said, she's old. <laughs> he, he said, I'm 70 and she's old, Right? So my parents just turned 80. I'm going to throw my mom under the bus. And she told me recently they're finally old, all right? So I just, 
good luck with her tonight, okay, buddy? All right. You know, we got to be where we're supposed to be. I mean, if you're supposed to be, you know, in the church, be in the church. I, I believe all of us as believers are supposed to be. You know, we're, we're so constantly looking forward to the next thing. We're, we're, we're looking at what we don't have or where other people are. And we're, we lose sight about who we are, what we're called to do, and where we're supposed to be. Hey, if God has you here, then be here. Quit wishing to be somewhere else. You know, I, I joke all the time. In January, man, I wish to be in Costa Rica. All right? I get so, by February, I'm so tired of, of the winter. And listen, by May 1st, I was tired of the And it's still, not, I don't think it's left yet. But the circumstances of this world don't determine who I am, what I do, or where I'm at. My relationship with God through Jesus Christ determines that. I'm a- abiding in Him. That's, what, that's just a basic picture of, of, as I study and as I think about the Christian life, we make this thing very hard. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, read your Bible. Well, you're a legalist. You'll pray. Well, you're a legalist. We're so constantly fighting about what we don't have to do and who we don't have to be. When really Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to be with you. And listen, I know you're going to go through some things. There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some turmoil in life. But I promise you, if you'll abide in me, and I'll abide in you, and we'll get through this thing. Guess what? We'll accomplish some things along the way. There will be some fruit to your account because you are abiding in me. Do you know there's some people in here you're bearing no fruit because you're not abiding in Christ? You're bearing maybe a little fruit because you're so worried about what you don't have to do and figuring out how little you can do and, and how little you can be involved in the church and how little you can be a part of it and Instead of just simply, listen, this is who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm proud of it. And I'm going to serve him with my life. I want to be who he's called me to be. And I'm going to do the things he's called me to do. And I'm going to be right where I am supposed to be. You know, some of the things you're supposed to do. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend time with the Lord. You say, well, you know, I really want God's best for my life. I want to grow, become more like Christ. No, you don't. Because you don't abide with him. You don't spend any time with him. You don't read your Bible. You don't do the things that you're supposed to be doing in your life. You want to be like Christ as much as I want to lift 500 pounds. It's easy to lie to ourselves. You know, I stand up. Walk into the garage, look at my weights, go back in the house. Yeah, it was enough for today. I feel stronger today, baby. I'm, I'm ready to roll. I feel a lot, a lot, I'm a lot more fit today. I can deceive myself. And we do the same thing spiritually. It's, it's really not that difficult. And that's what he's telling his, these men, his followers, hey, listen, abide in me. What does it mean to abide? Be who you're supposed to be as a believer. Do the things that you're supposed to do and be with him. Be with him as you go through this life.
Make sure he's a part of your life in every area of your life. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion. And, and it's a representation. It's a reminder today. It's a reminder. Hey, listen, we don't do these things to earn favor with God. We don't abide because we're trying to, to earn favor with him and earn more grace and, and, and earn eternal life. We do these things because of what he did for us. We love him because he first loved us. We serve him because he first served us and he gave himself for us on the cross of Calvary. What a beautiful picture and a reminder today of why we should abide in him. Father, thank you for your word today. And Father, I pray that you'd help us in this area of abiding. Lord, understanding who we are as Christians and our responsibilities, Father, to live for you and, Lord, to walk with you and do what you've called us to do.